Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. <laughs> Thanks, Ted Mortar. Conversations every entrepreneur should have, especially if you want to support yourself, build a thriving business, and not burn out. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are, if we were hosts of a, a celebrity interview show, Corbett would be the host of The Tonight Show with Corbett Barr. Smooth, insightful, and in tune with the industry. Barrett would be a host of Inside the Owner's Office. One-on-one interviews with business execs that talk about the art of mission statements, synergy, and crafting the perfect TPS report. <laughs> and Chase, that's me, would be the host of Entrepreneurs and E-Commerce Getting Espresso. Each episode would be a journey to get espresso with a fellow business owner, but ultimately side trips would happen due to distracting squirrels, alligators, and musical numbers. That one comes to us from Tall Mind and iTunes. Thanks, man. Uh, In this episode, buttered coffee, infographic research tips, the importance of a LinkedIn profile, and what podcasts to listen to next. All this and more are covered on the show today. You can follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 92. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. I really just have gone whole hog into my chocolate. <laughs> just a... You're just okay. You it. know what? I can take I can take us into our very first current this. event off of that. Okay, so today on the show, we're going to go into some current events, some new stuff. We like to do this every now and again, uh, and uh, Gorba just gets super pumped and starts <laughs> drumming on stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good the way he All right, you guys. Uh, somebody told us that this was a good idea, doing this kind of show. Hey, this is, we, do this, we do this all the time. It's a, good, it's a good kind of show. So here's what I want to bring up first. Uh, it, is an, uh, it is an article that my wife actually sent me on Bulletproof Coffee and how it shoots us in the foot. Okay, so listen. Bulletproof Coffee, if you're not uh, familiar with it, is uh, where you take coffee and you put an ungodly amount of butter and coconut oil into it, basically. Like a, like a teaspoon of each. Yeah, so uh, grass-fed, uh, grass-fed unsalted butter. And and coconut oil or salted if you're cheeky. And, if, yeah, if you really if you don't if you don't care. Um, a couple stories on this. So first of all, uh, unbeknownst to me, I, I was telling this Cor- Corbett one of my stories the other day, and he's like, "Do you know that uh, we are literally the uh, the largest uh, affiliate that sells bulletproof coffee?" Yeah. So da- so Dave Asprey's people reached out to us and said. Hey, uh, by the way, you have single-handedly sent us more traffic than any other site on the internet Fizzle? over the past couple of years. Yeah. Well, yeah, originally Think Traffic and, and now oh Fizzle, since God. that's where the article lies. Yeah. Um, it's in the, the – uh, so a lot of people are finding uh, an article that Corbett wrote on motivation. They're, they're typing in Google, <laughs> motivate I think me. three years ago. And and one of the things in there is oh like, uh, drink, drink some coffee or tea. Hey, have you ever tried Bulletproof Coffee? And, and that's like, what's – that's it. The single that's, largest referrer for them? Do, that you have yes. no oh idea how large God. that that single that single article is. It's massive. Yeah. Um, oh, so anyways, I didn't know that. The, I've I've tried it a few times. I never got like real crazy about it. Like Pat Flynn, for example, is really into it. I'm really into good coffee, and this this it doesn't necessarily ruin coffee. It's just a completely different thing. Uh-huh. Now at, at home, I've actually been doing it a little bit because I drink a lot less coffee. Normally, I'm drinking espresso because there's a lot less caffeine in there, and I am I am nothing if not a total turd burglar when it comes to like managing my energy levels because I hate it when I'm 
when I'm just not there. Mm-hmm. I feel like I am my excitement. This is a problem. I feel like I am my excitement uh, or my enthusiasm. And when I don't have that, then yeah, I'm not me. Yeah, it's a me, scary thing. Which isn't true. Yeah, which, which isn't true, though. Like, I am, I am valuable even if I'm not all that uh, awake and excited. Um, <laughs> what is that like? A, it sounded like a bee just flew by. <laughs> but uh, anyways, but this article that I'm going to put in the show notes is called uh, How Bulletproof Coffee Shoots You in the Foot. And it's, it's okay. It, it's a little bit more towards the... It's from uh, thehealthyhomeeconomist.com. It seems like they're, they're mostly coming at it from the way of, of weight loss. Don't drink coffee out of a, out of a weight loss uh, method. So a lot of it's just it, not interesting or, or important to me, except for towards the end when... Um, let me find it here. Um, 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 okay. So she's talking about uh, skipping breakfast and all this other crap doesn't matter. Then the serotonin deficiency that uh, this kind of uh, that coffee in general can cause uh, that can be the source of a lot of sleep problems mm. for people, anxiety and things mm-hmm. like that. And I, I definitely have my fair share of that kind of crap. Um, you know when you land on one of those sites that like can't scroll straight because there's too many plugins? This is one Oof. of those sites. No, I'm fine. It's fine. It's disgusting. Gross me out. I feel like my head's inside of a chicken right now. Um, so the question is, uh, anyways, it links down to, first of all, it's an interesting article. It'll be in the show notes for just like, what is Bulletproof Coffee? Is it good or bad? Yada, yada, yada. I would recommend giving it a try. It's pretty, I like it because uh, it does have a little bit more of a, of a sustained energy to it because these fats are so critical and all of us are cutting this fat out of our diet and watch, culture is learning now. Finally, pop science is coming back around to the fact that these fats are, are we need these. You never find a protein source that's not immediately right next to a fat mm-hmm. source. You got the egg white, you got the egg yolk. You got the meat from your steak, it's, it's striated with all this fat and stuff like that. We actually have to have fat as a vehicle to digest uh, these sorts of proteins and things. Do not send me emails on that because I don't know. I'm just read, digesting things that my wife has told me, uh-huh. and she's uber good at this stuff. Uh, reads books like Nourishing Traditions and mm-hmm. things like that. Anyways, Bulletproof Coffee already wrecked your, sh- your sleep. Uh, if you suspect that your serotonin levels are already in the tank and you need a neurotransmitter supplementation to help you with worry, anxiety, OCD thoughts or actions, depressions, panic attacks, and or chronic insomnia. First of all, everyone... Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, you just listed something <laughs> yeah. that every person has. I was, I was just going to say that. I was like, oh wait, hold on. So everyone in modern culture, everyone in modern life, everyone with a freaking computer or an iPhone yeah. or, or any sort of uh, mobile device at all, we suffer from this because our biology, and this is what I believe, our biology was just made for flight or, fight or flight, protect little ones. There's a saber-toothed tiger. We're super good in that situation. We know exactly what to do. Our biology just takes over, right? And now we're in a situation where there's zero threats to our life m- almost every moment of every day. And so what, what feels what, like – so when your package gets stolen, it feels like a saber-toothed tiger just, just ate a uh, uh, one of your one of your kids. Yep. Right. That's the same like the same chemicals, the same exact like like brain uh, stuff and all of the things going through your body. We that we our body's just like well, I guess this is the new saber tooth tiger. You know, it's like we're we're set up in the modern world to <laughs> to just have anxiety like crazies. That's why that's why yoga. That's why meditation. That's why weed. That's why all the things. Um, anyways, <laughs> so then in this article, she lifts off a handful of these like really interesting sort of uh, neurotransmitters that are just like things that are found in plants and things. Like 5-HTP or hydroxytryptophan, which I know tryptophan from uh, L-tryptophan is the other one. This is turkey, right? And so anyways, I ordered a couple of these just to see what they're going to be like because they were from some drug, drug manufacturers that I already buy stuff Wait, from so you, that I you like. you got more supplements, you're saying? I got more supplements. One of, uh, uh, this is the last thing, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys. Uh, the supplements I took this morning. You ready so for this? Ready. 
I took uh, oh, Lord. four capsules. I don't know if we want to hear this. Four capsules of uh, wellness formula because my wife's sick and I started to feel a little back of the throat. It's gone. Mm. Gone now. Completely gone. Uh, I took two, uh, uh, I think two, big things of fermented cod liver mm-hmm. oil, uh, which is like the ultimate Good fish fats. oil. Mm-hmm. Especially if you get the, the butter. Uh, the uh, There's one that has the butter uh-huh. stuff Keep in going. it too. Uh, he's like, yeah, you're speaking my language. Go bro. on. Uh, two uh, 500 mil gr- er, things of uh, vitamin D because we live in the Northwest, even though it's beautiful outside right now. Uh, I took a uh, polycosinol and green tea extract. Mm. Okay, just one of each. That's all. That's those two are from uh, Tim Ferriss's Five Hour Body. And I actually, or Four <laughs> Four Hour Body, how does five? It's just like oh, I added an hour. Um, uh, it's uh, and it, it those ones are the ones that I feel like I I, I can. I can feel uh, working on the a little bit of the tiny bit of like uh, I, this is embarrassing. How but, do you know when you're taking like twelve pills? Yeah, right. Well, because I've done I've done these all like by themselves at certain oh, times. Sure, for yeah. for weeks at a time. No, for like three or four weeks. Okay, but yeah, I mean it, you're right. Like, we're talking about, uh, yeah. but you know what? Honestly, the one thing that I I've decided to spend as much money as I ever need to on is the fish oil, because what that what, that's an investment in being able to think when you're. When you're 75, mm. I'll still be I'll still be a nightmare. Are you tried eating fish? Uh, I could, but we don't do a lot of fish. Ah. We don't, and and the fermentation of this stuff is a big deal. Trust me, I don't I don't get to control what I eat. Okay. Uh, this is a lot of this is coming from my wife, who's just like uh, uh, just a hippie, reads a lot, just a super yep. super hippie lady. Sends me articles on bulletproof coffee. So that's me. What's uh, you taking vitamins? Uh, I do. I take vitamin D. Okay. I had that tested a uh, month or so ago Did you? when I lived in California and I was low. Yeah. Um, so I take vitamin D, especially up here. Not so much in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, I'll take a vitamin B occasionally if I'm feeling down or if I've been why not drinking th- why a not lot. Throw some A in there just to con- complete the circuit. You know. A B C. What about C? A vitamin C. I, I, no, I don't take that. You vitamin vitamin Chase. No. He gets no. way no. plenty much of that. B and D. Some some fish oil as yeah. well. Yeah. If I don't have actual fish handy. Yeah. yeah. I try to just eat uh, salmon, you know. Barrett's a big supplement guy. What are you taking over there? Uh, I take some vitamin D. I take some magnesium and some probiotics. Ah, mm, yeah. probiotics. Nice. I should be doing that. Yeah, you should. Probiotics yeah. are the real deal. The other stuff yeah. that you can kind of fluctuate. I think probiotics are a pretty standard thing that are pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So that's sorry. That's my boring, boring, boring yeah, place man, to guys, start. We cannot cover you, each topic for twelve minutes. I'm just throwing that out there. But sorry, one of the one of the things that she talks about is if you're craving chocolate, that could be a sign of these um, craving chocolate and coffee. But again, every person in culture ever uh, right now, uh, there's a sign of uh, X, Y, and Z, and she gets into some again little like neurotransmitter type mm. stuff. Everybody has an opinion. Cool. Yeah. Hey, and everybody's got too. Wait, why did I have to say it out loud? Why couldn't I have just said, yeah, I know what else everybody's got. So this was that the about three episodes ago, I was talking about sort of the uh, levels at which you can get information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all of this information we just got was secondhand from Chase reading a blog oh, article that my wife sent me, and she's we're so far away from the source mm-hmm. right now. So from basically, source, yeah. yeah, I'm going to cut all this out. <laughs> oh. I'm going to cut it all out. So Bear, do you drink any uh, bulletproof coffee? I don't. Never tried it. No, I love black it. coffee. Yeah. And I eat, I eat ghee with my um, eggs in the morning, so I get my good fats. Do you eat ghee or does ghee eat you? I eat ghee. I fry my eggs in them, and I buy omega-3 organic eggs. Wow. Nice. Yep. I, uh, 
I do bulletproof now and then. Mostly yep. in Mexico, for some reason, I have this association with it down there. Yeah. And uh, I drink it down there fairly regularly, actually. He sells this MCT oil, which is the thing he says you got to try it at least once. <laughs> yeah, those uh, medium chain I, acids are good for you. Yeah. And but uh, it's, yeah, I, I just uh, use coconut, coconut oil. Coconut oil. I, think, I mean, I, I think it's a nice way to uh, resell coconut oil. Yeah, it is. Same thing. You know, under your own label. I believe it. Yeah. Po- possibly. Yeah. So we went from the top uh, affiliate uh, for them to... Actually, we're not even an affiliate. We don't even make any money on that. <laughs> we don't even make any money. <laughs> Stop um, blinking to us! <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, so uh, what, else, what else we got? Barrett, what, you, you bring one to the table. Uh, the biggest thing on my mind right now is uh, this conference called the Annual Meeting of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. And I'm oh, yeah. Going there. When are you going? Well, I will have been there by the time this airs. But oh, uh, So about three years ago, I had no idea what this was. Zero idea. And I was at my family's Christmas Eve party, and my uncle, who I swear was like an assassin for the CIA, uh, and by that I mean he had government contracts that he couldn't talk about when he was an air traffic controller, so I don't know what that means. But anyways, Mm -hmm. he knows a lot about like the world economic systems and politics and blah, blah, blah. So he tells me about this organization called the World Economic Forum, and he says, if you can ever go to their annual meeting in Davos, it's going to be really hard to get there, but if you can never go, you must go. About six months later, I got uh, asked to be a part of this group called the Global Shapers, yada, yada. Fast forward, I got selected to go to this conference as one of 50, 20 to 30-year-olds, blah, blah. So wow. It's wow. this conference, though, where— So is it mostly your jawline that they're choosing you for? Or? Yes, exactly. Hair. Hairline. Hairline. Um, hair, yeah. glasses, like, and jawline. Son, I'll be honest. I like the cut of your jib, and I like the way those pleated pants fit your hips. Exactly. Uh, what are those, Patagonia shorts? Gosh, exactly. that's attractive. I want you to come to Switzerland with me. Switzerland. Uh, I always get confused which one it is. Uh, you are a nice-looking boy. Come with me. You can sit first class on my lap. I'm kidding. No, I'll get you a book. You can sit on my lap. Good. So uh, this meeting, though, is 2,500 business, government, and nonprofit leaders from around the world, including like 40 presidents and prime ministers and hundreds of NGO leaders and they have high-level conversations around themes, a couple of which that are relevant to um, <clears throat> Fizzle are employment skills and human capital, uh, long-term investing, the future of the Internet. So I get to go be in this room with all these high-level leaders talking about topics that then I can bring back to Fizzle, which I think is pretty cool. When I hear human ca- capital, I think of human cattle mm-hmm. for some reason. Hmm. Weird. That's your problem. It's basically skills. Um, yeah. It. So this is this is essentially the uh, largest concentration of important world thought leaders and actual leaders in one place at one time, and Barrett gets to go. Correct. It's like the biggest joke in the world, but I'm going to take advantage of it. I it's it. like it's like everybody's in suits. And and did you explain how you got to go to this, Barrett? I, I love the backstory on this. So basically, uh, my LinkedIn profile may still say it, but at one point it said. Uh, Aspiring world changer and entrepreneurial ruckus maker. And I've always talked about personal branding for this exact reason. And so this guy who was part of the Global Global Shapers group. You can't just start it with my my LinkedIn LinkedIn profile. (laughs) This is the real story. All right. Well, it's a good question. Uh, Basically, my LinkedIn profile, uh, I write a lot about personal branding. And I'll just say I knocked it out of the park. This this would be like Chase getting a job on a TV show based on his Twitter profile photo. Perfect example. <laughs> 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 Keep going, yeah, so your LinkedIn profile, you were disrupting some verticals. Anyways, this guy who was a part of the Global Shapers, which is a network of 20 to 30-year-olds who are entrepreneurial, blah, blah, blah. 
He sees my headline on LinkedIn, calls me to have a meeting. His quote is, who's this asshole with this headline and his LinkedIn profile? So he calls me because my profile is aligned with the group and whatever. And we sit down, we have a meeting. He says, well, you might not be good for the group this year, but maybe next year. And then a week later, I get an invitation to join the group that year. So then I served as the leader of the group for a year, blah, blah. And then I applied with a three-minute video uh, to go to Davos. And there's like 4,500 members of the group and anyone can apply. And then they pick 50 to go and be representatives of 20 to 30-year-olds around the world to be there. Man, that's awesome. So it's cool. Can't wait for the full report. Yeah, I can't wait for the report on it. Yeah, this will be good. I can't wait to come come back and be like, Barrett, what'd you learn? He's like, well, the Bishop Desmond Tutu said. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, well, I was standing there, and the Dalai Lama was on one side. (laughs) (laughs) And they tickled each other. (laughs) All right, Corbett, what do you got? So you guys may have seen this. Um, I guess this was about a week ago. Maybe this came out of CES, the big conference that happens in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, Intel announced that they are pledging $300 million to build a more diverse workforce. What? What? yeah, this is pretty crazy. And I think what Intel is trying to get towards is um, some sort of parity um, between what their workforce is comprised of and what the population is comprised cool. of, okay. like in terms of where they're hiring. Um, $300 million. So this is like the biggest, I think, the biggest amount pledged from any big company um, towards workforce diversity. And what they're saying here is basically... That um, the CEO promised that his company would reach full representation at all levels by 2020. Wow. And so what he means is basically, uh, especially around women and minorities, that they're going to be trying to hire the same percentages of those people as there are in the general population. And when you look at right now, Intel's workforce, I saw some other, um, oh, roughly 45% of Intel's workforce is made up of white males currently wow so basically that means they're gonna not hire any white males i assume mm. um maybe none maybe not none but they're going to slow the hiring yeah. of white dudes uh so that the levels of other minorities and of women will start reaching parity over time this is just within intel this is just within yeah. intel which is a large uh, employer i think they're most overrepresented um within asian males which may include indian um mm-hmm. and asian as well mm-hmm. uh men uh, I think I saw that they had like 20% of their workforce was something like that, Asian males, whereas in the population it's, I don't know, 6% or yeah, something. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so they have some work to do. But anyway, it's kind of an interesting stance, A, that they're pouring $300 million into it, B, that they set a target date, yeah. um, and and C, three, uh, that, <laughs> they, that they're actually trying to go for parity amongst the workforce. And basically what they're citing is um, they just believe that this leads to um, that, that this is a business advantage. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, in terms of do they, is it partly just that it's a business advantage for them to announce this? Um, and that to certainly get a lot seems of to be the trend in technology um, in general. Or do right they now. believe that diversity itself leads to a stronger business? Right. And I think that's what they're saying. Yeah, I noticed. I'm, to me, I'm getting a little, little uh, overly raw with, with how every brand is trying to tout around uh, how how they're heading towards this sort of thing. It's a, it's a, it's a great PR move right now. And, and, um, but it's also how these things sort of start Definitely. and it's how this stops being an issue. Diversity and millennials. Is, that's what every, all the big companies are talking about that stuff. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And here I'll bring it. That's my second. That's my, I'll bring that. The, I, I was doing this, this talk and I did a bunch of research on millennial stuff and 
First of all, a little research hack that I found for like statistics. It's really nice to have statistics in your thing. Very nice. These are what I call hard data points, right? Even if they're even if you're just gladwelling and they're sort of soft and you're making them hard with a graphic and a thing. Um, uh, it's still nice to sort of just get a rough sort of thing. Also, in infographics, if you find a bunch of them, you can find a lot of sources. If you hopefully, if you read the footnotes, <laughs> hope to God they have the actual sources there, right? Um, so I, I was I was just looking into some millennial stuff uh, for this this thing I was doing, um, and I found a bunch of these uh, of these infographics on on millennials, and it was interesting because I realized why. Exactly to your point, Barrett. This is we're interested in in generational uh, research only because it's how can we sell these people things? Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. That's exactly that what they're sense? saying. They want to know how do we get millennials or people not like me? How do we get them to buy more of our stuff? Yeah, exactly. It's it's just that's all of the the, the millennial conversation that you see is a bunch of. Baby boomers, another uh, generation that we've that we've always seen research on, uh, uh, about uh, how how do we sell things to these to these kids now? Now, well, I, I think the other side of it though is also how do we hire these people yeah. and and make good use of them? Oh no, absolutely. You know? Well, and it's an it's an like just like like think about the the social political importance of the baby boomers going coming into into age. Right, right now we know one of the greatest uh, economic uh, things going on is baby boomers coming into their old age. Right, so every every fifty something entrepreneur is thinking, "How can I get into medical devices?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? How can I like my at least that's what I've seen in a lot of the older entrepreneurs that I know um, is that just because it's going to be a massive amount of spending and buying in that category. Mm-hmm. And but what I was more interested in in this research that I was doing on millennials is is well, I mean the one the one thing that really sticks out is uh, this is the most inclusive generation in that. Our generation, Corbett, you and me, we were a lot, we were clicky, right? We were the breakfast club. We were like, I'm this guy or I'm that guy and I'm not that. I'm wearing this band's shirt and you're a rocker and I'm a rapper and all of that, right? That, I mean, EDM alone, electronic dance music is a global movement that literally kids in Germany and and freaking India and France and California are all listening to the same song and having and having the same experiences at these shows, right? Yep. It, that's that's never that's never been really done to this level before, but also like these. Whereas the uh, our generation was the the clicky breakfast club, this generation is the inclusive Glee, right? So the show Glee, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like look at look at these are all kids working together for, and they're all like all over the place in this idea. And you see the clicks are still there, but it's not nearly as divisive as it was in the Breakfast Club, which mm-hmm. it, you know the, the irony being that that whole movie is about them finally working together and realizing their similarities. Yeah. Um, but but it's just that that kind of stuff was interesting to me to sort of take in. I don't know what does that does that resonate with any of you guys? Is any sort of important thing? How did this start exactly? Uh, well, I, this is just one of the things I wanted to bring up. Millennials, like the, current the, topics. No, just millennials. Just millennials. I mean, and and one of the well, let's see, let me find the the one that I really liked. Um, this one was interesting. The this is just an infographic on on the solopreneur versus side gigger. Okay, and there's 17.9 million solopreneurs or people who identify as that, and 12.1 side giggers. Mm. Right. So take this all with a grain of salt. This sounds like some pseudoscience, but it gets us <laughs> gets us there. Right. Um, so uh, size and growth predictions. Right. Uh, Thirty million independents uh, 
in th- by 2014 uh, or two, sorry 2019 and 40 will turn sorry 30 million right now will turn into 40 million by 2019 so that's independent uh, workers so people who work for themselves in some capacity whether yeah. they identify as a side gigger or a yeah. solopreneur right um, the satisfaction uh, in the the stats here are showing that the side gigger is a little more highly satisfied so a side gigger sounds like someone who has a day job and enough time to work on their own thing in the evening kind of right yep. evenings and we evenings and weekends and they're a little bit more satisfied according to the numbers uh, a little bit less in control of their schedule Um Actually, quite a bit less in controller schedule and le- earning less income. Uh, so, uh, a little bit. But, uh, anyways, just interesting things like this. Let me see what else I got. Another one is the millennials are the best generation ever. It is interesting to think of what it means to this crew, this age group, that I sort of straddle. Like, I'm, I'm bare. Like, some people would say that I'm in, I was born in 82. That I, some people say, mm-hmm. like, the 80s, uh, the early 80s is when millennials start. I, I think most of what I resonate with. What feels most true to me is, is that that starts maybe late eighties. Like my brother is definitely solidly a millennial. He was born uh-huh. in eighty. You're kind of in between. You're saying, yeah, Gen X and, and and millennial. And none of that stuff has ever made much sense to me. Uh, but now, as I'm as I as there's this effectively more generations with effectively more categories that determine that that are are so clearly different. The personalities and the characteristics of these things. Think about the kids that are growing up with the iPhone. You know, like that, like what I'm asking myself, like what, t- what age am I getting Aiden his first sort of device? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to grow up with that? The digital nativeness, the internationalness. Yeah, kids that are all. like nine or 10 have phones these days sometimes. Yeah. It's and crazy. and to grow up to playing the games and the knowing about like, Hey dad, dad, look on your phone. What, who is, what would, yeah, what, look up this or what that movie or whatever. Was that, this, yeah. that, or the other, you know, it was sort of interesting. It's pretty intense. So anyways, so, I, I you can learn a little bit from from looking at this. Not 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 a lot, but it's kind of nice to get that zoomed out view for me. What were you going to say, Barrett? Well, no, I was just going to kind of parlay your talk of millennials into uh, talking about a couple of millennials who have started interesting companies lately. Mm. Uh, so, I, number one, I love to pay attention to new companies. I think we all do. Number two, it's fun to pay attention to what types of startups are coming out. And number three, it's even more fun when they're your friends who start them. So here's three, yeah. three millennials who recently started companies that I'm really interested to see how they do. Number one is called Manguin, M-E-N-G-U-I-N. And it's a buddy of mine here in Atlanta. And the service is an online tuxedo rental company. And they have an algorithm that gets you the right fit and everything. Mm. You can choose from a bunch of different styles. They ship it to you. You receive it. Try it on. If it doesn't fit, they ship you a new one overnight. And they're targeting bridal parties. And their entrance into bridal parties is the bride. Because it turns out one of the biggest pain points is that brides hate coordinating with the groomsmen. Because they're all bozos. So uh, Mangwin solves that. <laughs> just a bunch of goofy guys. Just a bozos. Bunch, just a bunch of goofers. They're good Mangwin <laughs> solves that by giving her one account and then allowing her to coordinate with all the people. And she knows exactly what each groomsman has done or not done to order their thing. I think that's pretty. I cool. really sense a theme here, Barrett. You've been talking a lot about groom stuff and interesting. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of sort of gro- there's a groominess. There's to a what groomy he's been up kind to. of conversation. I happening. mean, you've noticed it because I definitely do as well. It's not yet a current yeah. event. There's a groominess going on. Groomy. Yeah, you're sort of just pl- you're just putting together the spreadsheet. It's so groomy. The second startup was also started by my friend, and uh, I mentioned it on the show a couple of weeks ago, but it's called uh, yourwella.com, and he's kind of jumping on this trend of online financial advisors, which I think is fascinating, um, 
because it's scaling the investing opportunities down to people with like not $5 million of net worth in the bank. Yeah. And and so they're making investing available to people with 10 grand, which is much more attainable and much more reasonable for most people. Yeah. The problem I have with that whole industry is that um, services like Wealthfront, I think, are making them less and less relevant. Right, so uh, it is yeah. basically Wealthfront, but they're trying to own the south southeast. So that's what they're doing. It's the same thing as Wealthfront or personal capital or Betterment, which is actually really Got interesting it. to think of that to try to like you basically, you know, if I was if I was a, a little more of a smart business guy, I would like the idea of like okay, but we're trying we're we're doing this as a you basically make yourself you have to buy us to get to this market, right? Do you see what I mean? And that's exactly. Yeah. Like if you really, if you can really own a market, yeah. that's an important market. Sure. On a thing like this, then you're, you're essentially light. You're essentially you know, you go and you do what they're doing. The bummer is that Wealthfront. You know, we know Wealthfront has has a bunch of money and all this other stuff, and they're a big sexy startup and yada yada. yada. So they might have more resources, time, and have better better features. A lot of developers and engineers and all this other. Who knows? They can outfeature them, and maybe that what that's what wins the race. But if nobody in there ever hears of Wealthfront. Because right. your Wella is yeah, already taking care of it. I don't want to be that startup that has to bet on my customers not hearing about the other thing. That's, that's true. That's true. That's but true. the Southeast is so far behind in being up on technology from New York and San yeah. Francisco that it's yeah, like this wide still, open market. Yeah, yeah, it still requires like a hand holding sort of. Hey, here's a, here's a question. So Barrett, I like what I like. Your, 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 what it makes me think of is like what, what I'm, I'm wondering myself like, like what are the business model businesses that I've seen recently that that. Were, sounded like just great ideas to me. Do you have anything that comes to mind for you, like businesses that you've seen recently in the last, you know, I don't know, what year or something that just sound like great ideas well, this, to you? Something that um, relates to the next topic I wanted to talk about is um, home automation uh-huh. in general. It's it's a yeah. pretty exciting new field, and I moved into a new home recently, and I've been yeah. sort of diving into it. Um, I got a few little things happening in the house here. <laughs> I, I got a, a new thermostat. Yeah. Uh, I went with not the Nest, but an Ecobee instead, uh-huh. um, partly because it has multiple sensors that it comes with and things. And uh, I also got a drop cam uh, with which I caught our recent package thief. Um, <laughs> well, no, you watched her steal your package. We watched her. Yeah, we didn't catch her. We caught her on film, uh, still trying to catch her. But yeah. um, anyway, it's just kind of interesting to to think about your home as this live thing now that you can yeah. tap into because there are sensors all over. It's I was thinking about this, happening. realizing like, why on earth uh, are there such a things uh, as light switch? <laughs> You know, in like a bathroom, for example, like why, why, why not it just, why doesn't it just turn on? Exactly. When I walk in. Well, and that, so that's what's happening now. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's kind of like simple home automation, which would be, uh, like an occupancy sensor switch that, yeah. that thing does something. Barry, by the way, did you hear how he knows the terms now? Definitely. He's, he's gotten all nerdy about it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's a, you know, a, a sort of a, um, a simple form of home automation, meaning it will do something for you automatically, but it's not part of a, a smart network overall. So what's happening right now is these different companies are, are vying for becoming the central hub for your home. Yeah. And Google recent, recently purchased Nest, Nest purchased Dropcam. So it's like this whole ecosystem that they're building over there. They're trying to be the central hub for it. Sonos is another great example of yeah. home automation. I mean, this is like a gateway drug because now that I have Sonos, I mean, Sonos, I've said it before, like Sonos is the most uh, probably that and my audio account are the two most important things I've bought in the last 10 years. Like I, when I think about like actual purchases that I, I mean, I buy a lot of crap Yeah, on Amazon Prime. Thank you very much. You know, but what do I remember and really, really, really am grateful for? It's Sonos and it's RDO because mm-hmm. they put 
music back in my family's life in like a, a way that I wish I was raised with music. Yeah. The way that Aiden's growing up with it now, there's going to be a lot of pain to that as well. He's going to be like, what was that band again? Because he doesn't know any of these bands. Because you don't have the CD you don't, or you don't the album the C- or The whatever. album that you're putting on, it's like, oh, let's put it on this one, Dad. But at the same time, he's raised with music. He's got a sensitivity to it. You know? I was thinking about that. I actually um, recently just gave up all of the MP3 files that I had been holding on to. I just got tired of like moving them from hard drive to hard drive and whatever. And they're gone. And the CDs are gone. And Man. there's probably some stuff I'll never get again. You know? Dude, do you remember late nights just just organizing uh, I, <laughs> MP3 type things? Yeah. Like like my I so I just got a new Mac uh, Mini for our TV downstairs because the one I had was just this ancient thing. So and it, and it's all it was so easy to set up. But I have a massive library of just movies and. Uh, and music, like the music is really like it's a bit insane. But we throw these parties and have this big, these big yeah. dance parties, and I got all these like just crazy, you know, things that I have just downloaded from everywhere. These one-off songs of like Steve Aoki doing a a I don't know a James Brown song mixed with Justice or something like that, and people recognize it's a perfect dance song. And I got like hundreds of these just one-offs, but it's just such a nightmare to try to organize them all and be able to get them where find them when you need them. You know what I mean? So, anyways, I went through and kind of did some genre How, when is the last time you put a genre in on an mp3 in your itunes collection i don't i don't even bother anymore it yeah. just was like it's just like this is the first I time i do anymore. first time i did it in forever but just it's just like still there's that there's that pain of not everything that i want is on audio oh i knew it you were just saying mashup and it and it just came to mind i was in the car the other day huh. uh and jesslyn was like rocking out to that sam smith yeah. song you know that kind of groovy Hold stuff you yeah so so while that was going on, I was just thinking, Noah won't back down. Yeah. Because it's, it's the same, same exact song. groove, right? It's the same song. And uh, here it is. There's a bunch of mashups. People yeah. are doing those yeah. two together. It's true. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Yeah, it's a good song. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't I love be a that. fizzle show without some karaoke. <laughs> It wouldn't. Uh, Barrett, what do you got over there? Um, oh, wait, hold on. By the way, on the home automation thing, our yeah. friend of the show, Michael Wolf, uh, you should listen to his yeah, podcast. You know what? Actually, uh, I should because I was uh, out on the web. Michael Wolf runs uh, Next, Next Market. Market podcast. He interviewed Chase and I once about mm-hmm. Fizzle and other things. And um, I was out there on the web looking for home automation info, and I came across a bunch of stuff that he had written. Yep. I think he works for uh, Giga Ohm, Ohm Alex thing. He and did. There was some stuff that was under lock and key. I had to subscribe if I wanted access Got to it. it but. So his show is on technology.fm. It's called The Smart Home Show. He has a podcast oh, on it. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So you were asking about businesses that seemed interesting. I was thinking yep. if I were going to enter any sort of market right now, um, home automation would be at the top of my list, I think. It's it's pretty in- intriguing. I don't know how fast it's going to grow, but it's just kind of fun. It's, yeah. it's a fun thing to geek out on. I don't think of... Uh, I, I can't really think... So uh, we're, we're going to have a, a new home pretty soon as well. And... Uh, I, it's something that like it's like scares me to think about all the options, all the variables, and things like that. But that's a that's a place I can. Well, geek the out. easy solution, I think, and this is what everybody's kind of waiting for, is that Apple last summer announced something yeah. called HomeKit, which is going to be convergence of all of the different things into one protocol. The Internet of Things on yeah, the IoT yeah. on your phone, <laughs> and um, I think you're thinking of Yote. <laughs> and stuff is just coming out now for HomeKit, 
Uh, so people are kind of waiting. If you're thinking about buying like a hub right now, yeah. there's like, uh, should I get one or should I wait for Apple to oh, do something about it? So okay, so you're like really in this in this world. That's it's fun. It's fun to, to learn new stuff. But anyways, for me, for business models, I, I don't really, I don't really know of one. I guess when we mentioned Need Edition here a lot before, and I, I like I, I like watching them grow and do new things. They've just created their own in-house brand, um, which we mentioned on the uh, domain naming episode. Uh, anyways, uh, let's move on to the next one. What you got, Barrett? Well, the other the other company I was going to mention. Well, two more companies from friends of the show. Uh, one is Nathan Barry's Convert Kit. It's been fascinating to be behind the scenes of that as he's grown it and continues to grow it. And he pivoted from like general email marketing to uh, email marketing, essentially for authors and teachers. And seeing him grow his team and develop new features very quickly, it's been really really cool. And then to get to use it on my personal site as well has been awesome to see it from a user standpoint. So I think Nathan's doing some really interesting stuff. And what you would think is an overcrowded space of email marketing, and yet he's still gaining customers there. And that's cool mm-hmm. to me. Um, yeah, and Nathan's a smart guy. I wouldn't bet against him on, on any project. Definitely not. He's super nope. smart. And then the other yeah. that just came out publicly from Pat is Smart Podcast Player. And I'm going to be fascinated to see how that does and whether he can grow that and uh, get some good users for it. And my guess is he's got a big enough audience who's also podcasting that he probably can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, where are we going next, guys? Who's got the next topic? Well, I've got a couple things here that I've been reading that have been interesting. I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about interesting things we've read recently. Okay. What do, what do you got? Well, the first one I mentioned on a couple episodes ago, but it's a new magazine called Conscious Company Magazine, and I'm a real like fanboy of this thing. Uh, yeah? It really speaks to me. I think it speaks to my generation. That's kind of who they're building it for. But they're highlighting founders of companies. It's my generation! Sorry, keep exactly. going. They're highlighting founders and companies who make uh, sustainability, uh, social causes, all of that a core part of how they do business. And I think that's very interesting because, in my opinion, that's the way business is going to have to go over time if we want to take care of some of these major issues like global warming, you know, population growth, stuff like that. Companies need to invest back in the communities they're part of, and this magazine is highlighting hundreds of companies doing exactly that. And I think it's pretty cool. I like that. You know what it makes me there? I just I ran across this silly. Go- I'm like turning into. Uh, Scott Dinsmore over here because he always has like quotes from Gandhi or something around. It's like always like my friend, my friend Jason from Invisible Children. He's like, he's always quoting like what I call like the top five. You know, it's like Gandhi, Mother Teresa, uh, <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. and all these greats. You know, Bono. You know, the greats. But I never really am and like drawn to those quotes so much. They almost they seem like they'd be like I don't know. I'd be like quoting Nickelback or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I you just, would. I just and you dis- would. You know what's the I difference? Just disgusted. What's Corbin? the <laughs> difference between the Goo Goo Dolls and Nickelback? Explain to me right now. Very little. Just timing. Okay. Just timing and okay. soul. Just soul. Uh, dude, Goo Goo Dolls have a lot of street cred before they get massive on these ballads, right? That's what happens. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that don't I don't mean that. I, of course, I love all of these people. It's just it's just I find myself drawn towards like weird quotes for some reason. Nickelback, I feel bad for them because they, they are the butt of all music jokes. Not these days. not in the middle of, the, of every country. In the middle of every country, they're like, "What do you mean? They're Nickelback's badass man." <laughs> of every country, <laughs> of every Canada country. too, like in Alberta. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like in Alberta, yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah, "Oh Saskatchewan, man, Saskatchewan, Alberta, like." Whoa, dude. So you were going there with, it reminded you this, of a quote. This Gandhi quote, we have enough for every man's need, but not enough for every man's greed. And uh, 
I, 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 for some reason, there's just something of that just makes so much sense. I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this, mm-hmm. like this whole conscious company thing, and and I get a little jaded because like it is so cool to be sustainable right now. Sure, it is so cool to talk about how many diversity, th- diversification, hiring, th- all of this stuff is. It's like this big. It's like this big moment, and and that's good. That's good because this is that means improvement and all this other stuff. But it's also like it's just like it feels. Uh, uh, anyways, suffice it to say, I do. It's all. It's all very, very important, and, and I, I, I am jaded that some of these businesses are just trying to ride some wave. You know what I mean, and say the things that you're supposed to say. Uh, but, but, anyways, I, I did like that quote. We have enough for every man's need, but not every man's greed. Uh, and and I, that, that's my dream as well that that we run these. Uh, most of us who are doing the bootstrapping thing, like we don't have a choice. Like we have to run it sustainably because it's just like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> what? There's another way to run it, <laughs> you know. And most of us who are millennials or growing up, uh, you know, in the state, we're like, doesn't that seem wasteful and inefficient? Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but for like our, our, you know, baby boomers, they're like, what do you mean, man? We got enough money, we could just do it. <laughs> we just get, it takes money to make money. <laughs> Uh, anything else I've been reading lately uh, so for reading stuff I got more here uh, what what do you got Corbett what do you got for reading Uh, so I have been reading uh, a book called Running with the Mind of Meditation Hmm. so it's kind of a mashup between running and meditation yeah it's kind of interesting um Partly just because I, I want to make more of a habit of meditation, and I've been running lightly. Um, and uh, not that I necessarily want to put the two together, but it's just kind of like, oh, two topics that I'm interested in at the same time. Yeah. So let's read about it. What was it. the name of it? Running with a Mind of Meditation. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, for me, something that I, I read every morning a little bit uh, is a thing called Latham's Quarterly. It's this quarterly. I guess like it's a it's a bigger version of a magazine, but it's it's voices from around history, around the world, all, you know, all the way since the dawn of time, basically. It's words and art around a topic. It's cool. So the one that I cannot stop reading is about comedy, and like, <laughs> dude, I read a. Like so amazing, like a, a, so. Right next to it, there's an essay. This morning, I read an essay from Kurt Vonnegut about comedy, and then a piece from uh, Rabelais. Or Re- Rabelais, right? Re- uh, I forget how you pronounce his name, but Rabelais, a French guy, dude from like this book was published in 1532. Okay, and it's this passage that's all about <laughs> all about wiping your backside, but it's the funniest thing. It's so funny. And I just point at that, and I and I want to I want to hold it up to my wife and see and say, see, I am not the only one. <laughs> see, poopy humor is is funny. This uh, it, seriously though, it, I I you cannot know the kind of vindication, not vindication, but just kind of like, oh my god, I'm not alone. It feels like to find just gross people in like the 1300s, you know, way back, like some of the oldest stuff. There's these, there's all of these uh, <laughs> French um, anonymous poems. That are just raunchy beyond belief, like and also and honestly like disturbing. But they're all anonymous, and there's these huge books of them. There's like thousands of them, I guess. And uh, and one of them From way was, back was turned into so like there's a uh, you find just so many interesting threads when you go and I'm, I'm just so enamored by getting into history about things because another book that I'm that I'm slowly reading is called The Mirror Makers, and it's the history of advertising, the best written history of advertising. A lot of the history of advertising stuff you'll find out there is written by people who like want to earn a buck off the Mad Men craze or who who like want to tell their own stories, and those are fun too. But this is an actual historian who wrote a book on the history of advertising, and I am just. 
I'm smitten. It's so fun to go learn about the beginnings of things and realize, oh my God, they were just making it up as they mm-hmm. went. And now it's an industry with rights and wrongs and rules and regulations. And when I see that, I get inspired and I realize, oh my God, I could do this. I could do this. Like, the, the, I, I don't have to feel so stupid all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's just making it up as they go, and I have to remind myself of it. Right? Yeah. Definitely. That's, that's so those, jobs. Are, those are two for me. Yeah. Poke the box. Yep. Um, two others for me are, first of all, we mentioned it last time. Chase, you mentioned it. Uh, what to do when it's your turn by Seth Godin. I got to, uh, yeah. got to visit with him a few, I don't know, in December and saw it, like, in his hands and got to hear a little bit about his thoughts on it. And he was just so excited to launch this thing because it's so it's such a departure from his past books and his past projects. And I thought you know that it's was funny because really when, when I see it, uh, I say like, "Oh yeah, yeah," and that that's kind of it. Do you know what I mean? Like it looks like a oh this is yeah this is fun. It's like collage. It's like collage about doing something. It's like a visual uh, uh, war of art, right? Yep. Uh, in, in some ways, to me, it feels like a, oh yeah, duh. Like someone uh, someone had to try that. And it's real easy for me to go like, of course, Seth's so brilliant. He just threw this together. Um, so it's interesting to hear you say that he was like really proud of, of making this. He was very excited. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, at this point, he has said what he has to say. His essential message yeah. is yeah. out there. And so now the challenge for him is seeing if he can find new ways to market, new ways to format it. So like for this one, you couldn't buy a single copy, for example. You had to buy multiple copies. That was the only option. Hmm. And so by doing that, you have to give them away. And that's how you ended up with your copy, Chase. So it, it works, yeah. right? Yeah, um, it's true. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, uh, that, that is fascinating. You know, um, I, I, I've always heard Seth talk about his deep, deep, passionate love for Zig Ziglar. Yeah. As he, was, he would, he's like, for three years straight, I listened to, I would Tapes. listen to. Who did? Seth Godin? Godin, yeah. Ah. He, yeah, he was like listening to the tapes. Like he said he was like three hours a day. Yeah, like three hours a day he would listen to Zig Ziglar, and I and I've heard a lot of Zig Ziglar as well, and I do like it because there's some things that just make so much sense from from good old good old Ziggy Zigs, but um, but at the same time, I and I and it makes me realize like the Seth's uh everything Seth has to say is a is a sort of a rhyming pattern type thing. It's a one of those like Gandhiisms of like we have enough for every man's need but not for every man's greed. You know, it's like uh, these all of his all of his stuff ends up fitting into that sort of thing. Yep. And this is something that Josh Ship does as well because he knows it's not enough to have an idea. It has to be packaged together. Yep. And that's something that's really fascinating to me because good old Ziggy Ziggs is just so... I don't know if you ever listened to any of his stuff, but it's like boom, 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 one after the other. So you know what? You want to be the man you see in the mirror. Well, you have got to take the mirror with you. Is that right, everybody? I wanted to lose a bunch of weight, and what happened was I had to wait. <laughs> You know, and it's just like I just made those up right now, and I'm pretty good at that. Uh, but like that, that whole, that whole, it, that's literally what he sounds. And what it's, it's over and over and over again. And something about him is so compelling, even even 30 years later. It's so interesting. You know, I'm listening to something that he did live 30 years ago, and just going like, I am a little bit powerless in this moment because there's, I'm just nodding my head and going, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, and I would be so embarrassed. If my friend was here, like if someone, like someone in my generation was sitting next to me, they'd be like, "What are you, some cheesy, some cheesy like Barrett Brooks type? What's, what's going on over here?" <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. Gosh, it's fun. Uh, oh man. Okay, you're what a else? Punk. What else we got? The, the other reading thing I picked up lately is also an Atlanta thing, but it's called Brother Journal, and it's this little boutique uh, thing journal, and it's about the end-to-end process of how certain types of food get made. 
So like the first one, they went out to a um, pastured chicken farm and they looked at the process from hatching the egg to uh, pasturing the birds to slaughtering the birds to it going in the oven. And it was just this fascinating look at what actually happens to our food along the way. Mm-hmm. And we are not connected to that anymore. We don't understand what that means about how things go from A to B, especially in the food system. And I think it's important and interesting for us to learn that stuff. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, Corbin and I both did way over too enthusiastic mms at the same time, and now it's just like we're sitting here laughing. It was kind of like it was kind of like one of those old SNL NPR skits. Mm. Like, mm. tell us more, Barry, about your sweaty balls. Oh no! So can I hold them in my hands? Or? So <laughs> point timing. They're yeah. at brotherjournal.com, and they've done. Pastured chickens, cheese, and oysters and clams so far. And it's just a... Oh, really? I bet the oysters and clams one would be pretty good. I love seafood. It's as much about the people who make the stuff as it is about the food. And I would love to see them continue to exist. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, just buy a copy. It's not that expensive. And it's interesting. By the way, that that, that brings us to our next topic. Uh, the, the idea of like, I love that they're doing it. I want them to stay in business. That's sort of like the heart of Portland. There's no... Uh, there, there, like math has tried to solve how we keep so many restaurants and coffee shops in, in uh, business. And math can't even solve it. They also ask science. Science is clueless about how on earth this town is able to keep so many people uh, employed in the service industry. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I brought you up here, right, Corbett? Um, <laughs> I, I didn't really. <laughs> so, you, uh, but one of the things we talked, we thought about maybe talking about is like your move up here to Portland. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. No, yeah. look, look, it's it's interesting because I've been gone for uh, eleven or twelve years or something. We moved from Portland and. 2002 but i was born and raised in the area and uh we've been you know hanging out in portland for a long time since the whatever the 90s yeah and um it's interesting moving back because we have california plates since that's where we lived most recently and um everybody here has to just say a little something about californians (laughs) you know if if you're like or like if you introduce me to somebody like the other day we're at the coffee shop you're like hey this is my business partner corbett he just moved here from san francisco and I swear, anywhere else, right off anywhere bat. else in the country, they'd be like, "Oh, cool! What's? Oh, I love that city. Whatever." Yeah, yeah. Here, they're like, "Oh, thanks for driving up the rent prices." <laughs> oh my <laughs> exactly. god! Exactly. <laughs> and I was surprised. Like it was. It's like a um because Aaron the barista, he's not an agro guy at all. That means it's really in the vernacular. It is. Like it's just like it's not. They don't feel like Oregonians this is a, are just raised to hate Californians. And I remember, but not that it. But he wouldn't do it if it, if he felt like it was too uh, agro. What I'm saying is like it's not that he hates. It's just that like that's what you it's say. Just that. It's what that's you say, yeah. So I remember being here in the 90s, and yeah. there were jokes. I remember growing up with jokes about a Texan and a Californian and yeah. something or other, yeah. you know? And um, But I never really knew any Californians. It was just this vague thing about how Californians came here and drove up, uh, you know, property values. Yeah. And, um, and now I'm feeling it firsthand. And it's interesting because I just read another study that said 40% of people who live in Portland are not from here originally. And it's one of the places that people move to the most in the country. And so I guess it's just kind of a raw nerve right now for people. And it's going to be even worse, I think, in the coming decade. Um, So 
you know, if if you see me in Portland, just say hi. And uh, I'm not here to destroy your city. I'm actually from here as well. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. And I'll try not to tell too many Californians about moving here. It sucks. It rains all the time. Yeah. So don't yeah. move here. It does. Uh, I used to try to get friends to move up here. And now, since I've stopped, most of my friends have moved up here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now I'm just like, ah, Great. <laughs> this is great. Um, okay, I, that's all I have. Uh, anybody else have anything? Oh, the one thing the one thing I did to have, just to, because we wanted to bring this up on the last time we did the current events, is that is Tim Cook's coming out as, as a CEO of Apple, yeah. as a gay man. I just still think that that, that, was, that was awesome. Uh, I just wanted to be like, yeah! You just Woo! want to slap him on the ass Woo! and... Woo! Got him, Tim! <laughs> Tell him a good job. But uh, and then uh, the the timing right now, uh, Tiffany and Co just put out a uh, the first sort of jewelry uh, gay ad, mm. uh, same sex couple getting a, an engagement ring type type of deal, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen. I just have seen a lot of people talking about it, and it's sort of I, I like that. Some it. people are probably like, oh, they're riding the wave, yeah, a little bit. Yep. Other people are like, oh, good for them. That's cool. Yeah. And I don't have a dog in the fight. Yeah. It's just an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting time. Although you did that. admire the um, attractiveness of the men in the. Ad. I did see a screenshot from the ad, and I was like, listen, if that guy was buying me a ring, he could take me home. <laughs> yep. Good for you. Um, <laughs> industry-related stuff in the education industry, nine hours ago out on TechCrunch, guess who raised a bunch of money? Uh, Lynda.com. Kevin Rose? Oh, Lynda.com. They raised more money? Million. They just raised Whoa. 100 like last yep. year. So now they've yeah. raised what do they need to do with million. This ra- latest raise was at a billion-dollar valuation. And they're saying their raise was to, number one, hire a ton more people. So, like, another 200 people in addition to their 550 current staff. And What's their running cost? I guess it's, it's created. Okay, keep going. And then Hold to on. start acquiring people. So, they're looking well, they- at Treehouse. They're looking at some of the big players in programming so that they can bring some of that in-house. Uh, it was just interesting to wow. see that and think, like, holy shit, they have executives sitting in an office somewhere scouting out education companies to buy yep. based on their current fundraising round. And that that is, that is so crazy. interesting. Well, I mean, if I was them, I would have the same vision. I would be like, I want to be education. Yeah, why not? That's what that's what my... I mean, the way that, that my, my vision for Fizzle is we are education for self-employed yep. people. Or we are education for business, right? For anything business. It's, it, Lynda.com is so interesting to me, to me as well because I don't think I'd heard of them up until a couple of years ago. Mm. And uh, they're still the kind of company that you tell people about and they're like, Who? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and they and they're worth a billion dollars. They have over nine figures in revenue, over a hundred million dollars in revenue on their own. Yeah. They didn't need to raise a dime. They're massively profitable, owned by Linda yeah. and Bruce. I think is her husband's name, and uh, maybe a handful of insiders. I don't know, but uh, yeah. it's really interesting to think now they've raised three hundred million dollars. That is an ass ton of money, yeah. um, and they're up there in the sexy, huge startup space now, oh, like yeah. with. Not quite Uber, but I mean, they're up there in a yeah, very elite club. Same thing with MailChimp and that slow crawl up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's there's big chunk, there's mo- moments of of like big moves, but uh, but Linda's really been that slow grow. And same thing with MailChimp and Campaign Monitor and these sorts of slow grow businesses, bootstrapped, owned by their founders, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah, like the, it's just what an I don't know. You compare that to Uber, uh, and. There's just something so compelling about the bootstrap business model, and obviously the irony being we're talking about them in in uh, in conjunction with their raising a right. massive amount of money. Yeah, but still, like the uh, the origins of the business is 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 awesome, and now they've got a they've got a, a, a uh, you know imagine this they've got a 
hundred year vision for their company. They've got a global vision for their company. They got a vision for their company that takes uh, takes people to space or whatever. Right? This the the, the idea being what does Lynda dot com look like, uh, or what is it even beyond the name? Right? What does this company look like? And if you go, my vision is to be education. I mean, there's no better thing to... Uh, well, basically, it's Creative Live and Lynda.com are the, the big yeah. players now in that space. I mean, there I mean are other- creative, the Creative Live is the one raising the money, but I don't see them uh, as, a, as a real... They, they still seem like they're sort of flailing around a lot. Mm-hmm. They're know. doing a lot. They're doing a lot, but, but uh, there's, it's still like sort of... There's, a, there's something still, I don't know, sort they, of off to they, me about they that. They publish more than basically anyone else besides totally. the the twenty four seven news channels. And now this is where it's like you know you go into Linda, you can find you can learn anything you want. And I think the I think there's a more there's a bit way way higher premium on uh, for at least for me on uh, a a tighter curated group of things. Like How I don't many, I don't want to learn all the things. I yeah. want to learn I want to learn from the right person on this Definitely. thing. Yep. Do you know what I mean? How many videos do we have? Somebody looked the other day. Oh jeez, I have can't remember. Around four hundred or so. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, isn't it? It's Linda, on... Linda has two hundred fifty-five thousand. Jeez. They also Man. have they also have five hundred fifty current employees. Yeah. Wow. That's weird. I think the last time I checked, they had like forty-five. Yeah. It's so nuts to watch them grow so fast, and, and that's cool. I mean, I still have on my whiteboard Linda dot com, uh, Creative Life are these partners or competitors? Yeah, and, right. And I still don't. I still don't really know. I think Linda's more it would be more of a partner than a con- competitor potentially. But I don't. I don't really know. But the point being, uh, that's that's a big uh, hell of a lot of money. You say it at ton. This says. Uh, uh, <laughs> did I say that? Yeah. This a metric. Actually, mm. um, some MAT. This says in the TechCrunch article, some estimates put the total annual spending in the country at fifty-five billion dollars for adult and continuing education. Yep. See, and now this is interesting. So I'm not a business guy, right? I'm not a like a go to business school and learn the things. But but those sorts of uh, metrics about an industry. So whenever they write an article yep. on MOOCs, massive open online courses, yep. uh, and all these things, they're always talking about like continuing education as an as an uh, as an industry, right? And here's what the numbers are, and this, that, and the other, and, and everybody who writes a business plan looks at that stuff, and I, ne- I never really have, but it's it, it's interesting to find myself of you know having stumbled into a pretty great little, uh, you know, we've stumbled into the into this uh, thing, mm-hmm. right? And it's a great friggin' uh, apparent according to TechCrunch, it's a uh, you know, a lot of people spend money on this sort of thing. Definitely, uh, I hope to find some of them. <laughs> um, you know, couple couple things for your ear holes if you're looking for some other stuff. Uh, Gimlet my, Media, my who what? does the startup podcast released their second show not that long ago called Reply All. And they're only about 20-minute shows about the Internet. And so they just tell mm-hmm. interesting stories from the history of the Internet, basically. And it's been an enjoyable just kind of like sit back, and you're not trying to learn something. You're just being entertained. It's kind of like a serial-type deal where it's more about the entertainment and exploring new things than it is about, like, I'm going to learn something about my business in the next five seconds. Uh, hmm. But it's been good. I've enjoyed it. And it's been interesting to chart Gimlet Media's growth in the way that they're targeting new shows and building their strategy around that. Uh, and then the other, which is number one in management and marketing today, just after it was released, are uh, Chris Ducker and Pat Flynn just released a new podcast called One Day Business Breakthrough to kind of mirror their little in-person workshops they do. And uh, they've done nice. a good job marketing it. So congrats, guys. Mm, nice. Good work. Good work, team. Barrett's just full of them today. He is. I'll, I'll add one thing to the listening. Uh, there was a show on... Um, it's one episode. And the, you know, do you know who Nick Drake is? Any of you guys know who Nick Drake is? 
He was a singer songwriter, mm. sort of a haunting character. And you mentioned him uh, recently. I yeah, I think I might have mentioned this exact episode, but it's still sticking with me as one of the better things that I've listened to in a really long time in terms of like compelling radio. Um, it is uh, I'll find it's either on ninety nine percent invisible, which I think it is. Yeah, 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 or Radio Lab. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those two, and uh, it's an episode all on Nick Drake and and this producer who's like, uh, the one big regret I have of my life is that I wasn't able to make Nick Drake a commercial success during the time of his life. And it tells that story, and it is fascinating, but just like the form of it, it's all all like told through these like tape recordings that they found and all this stuff, and and it's just great. And to me... It fits right in. I, I have this like a little bit. I'm, there's a fantasy sort of growing in my head around creating some sort of, uh, I don't know, curated thing on the intersection between uh, art and commerce or authenticity and popularity or, you know, this, this kind of thing, the thing that I'm always struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, a, just a list of, of a bunch of different resources, articles, essays, movies, things that explore that, like Birdman, for example. If you haven't seen Birdman, go watch it right away. And when you've seen it, let me know so that when I get enough tweets from people, we're going to do a show on it where we all watch the movie and kind of and like are able to kind of talk about how this relates to people who are doing independent business. Because to me, it is the same. It is the same struggle. Um, but anyways, all of these kinds of things that 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 are such great examples, models, practices, uh, uh, stories, and case studies about just trying to balance between that art and commerce thing. Balance, you know. Balance, balance. Shout out to Caleb Wadrick, DIY video guide. Balancing work and life out there. <laughs> all right, team. That's all I got. You got anything? No, nope, that was my whole list. Gorbit, nothing. There's a lot of exciting I, stuff going on out there. I think it's fun. I'm I'm thrilled about all this stuff. Yeah, I, I feel uh, I feel good about. It. I'm making notes over here, and I'm just trying to trying I'm to keep up. Notes. All right, guys. That's another uh, current events episode for you. Uh, I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. <laughs> and I've been Baird Brooks. Okay, there you have it. Fizzleshow.co slash 92. 92 slash 92 is where you're going to find a bunch of notes in the show notes on this stuff. Okay? And I'm curious. I asked you a question there. What are some new business uh, business ideas or businesses that you've fallen in love with recently? Tell me about them in the comments. That's fizzleshow.co slash 92. Here's the rest of the of the iTunes review from, from uh, Tallmind who did the intro earlier. I listen to this podcast every Friday religiously. Sometimes I need to hear that you just need to do the hard work and that there's a light at the end of this business tunnel. Thanks, Derek, at Business Runway for your review. Our goal here, as you know, is to help you build the best thing you possibly can, creating a thriving audience along the way. If you leave us an iTunes review, it can help other entrepreneurs find the show. And so if you like this, please consider leaving us an honest rating in iTunes. It doesn't cost you much, and it means the world to us. Okay, time to get back uh, to making some news of your own now. Maybe one day we'll be talking on a current events show about you. Make it count. Find care, take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.